Coming up on this episode of Linux for Everyone, the Battle of the Deepens, a discovery of the week from Tuxedo Computers, Pop OS 2004 window auto-tiling, Lemur Pro first impressions, and some much-needed good news. Episode 33 starts right now. Hi, this is Deidre. We are listening to Linux for Everyone from Wyoming in the United States. Welcome home. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Linux for Everyone, and welcome home. You know, two weeks, it seems like a, a long stretch to go without talking to you guys on this on this uh, format, anyway. I know there's YouTube and Twitter and Telegram and Discord and all of that, but uh, it seems like a long gap. I want to know how you guys are acclimating to that. So give me some feedback. Let me know if, um, you know, especially during the times that we're in right now, we're hearing across the entire Destination Linux network, we're hearing that a lot of people are behind building up a, a bit of a podcast backlog. So, you know, maybe this is a good thing for the time being. I don't think it's going to be permanent, especially because there is just too much awesomeness happening in the Linux world, as always, right? And the other reason is somewhat tricky to discuss because I can't uh, I can't let all of the details out there. But as you guys know, Forbes is my day job. It has been my day job for a long time. And I have spent almost the last two years very diligently and very happily building up a, a dedicated base of Linux users and open source fans and people who are curious about Linux reading about that stuff at Forbes. And I'm I'm trying to frame this as politely and and kind of politically correct as possible here. Um we're living in a very difficult time right now. It's something that is touching everyone in the world. And then you combine those challenges with the slow decline of uh print-based, text-based journalism and media and um it 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 spells kind of a recipe for <laughs> hardship. Basically, what I'm I'm beating around the bush here and what I'm trying to say is that my output at Forbes is now worth considerably less. And so I am going to regroup and recognize that when one door closes, another has to open and you got to barge through that door and you got to turn lemons into lemonade and all those cliches. Um, but this is the opportunity that I think I needed to really kick the tires on the Linux for Everyone brand and invest more effort and creativity and energy and devotion to this thing and and really make it pop and make it something that is maybe maybe not a day job but just definitely above a hobby, you know. Anyway, it's been a challenging week. And you know, now now more than ever I am incredibly grateful for all of you patrons who are supporting the show supporting the YouTube channel, everybody who's buying merch and sharing it on social media or sending me an email of their new coffee mug. I'm so that just that really, really brightens my day every time I see that stuff. And you know, I've always been grateful. But now, especially, 
that support is becoming more and more crucial. And I'm going to take more opportunities to shamelessly plug the stuff like Patreon. So if you would like to jump in on that, you can find uh, all the details over at patreon.com slash Linux for everyone. All right, deep breath on with the show. And it's time for the discovery of the week. European Linux PC manufacturer, Tuxedo Computers, you might have heard of them, uh, especially with all of the news surrounding these Manjaro-branded laptops that are coming out, super customizable things that I can't wait to get my hands on. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of dreaming of, you know, being able to have this really powerful laptop with the Linux for Everyone logo as the super key and kind of etched onto the lid or stuff like that. I'm not going to go so extreme as to get a Klingon keyboard, but it's nice that the option's there. Anyway, uh, Tuxedo, they have a brand new utility called the Tuxedo Control Center. And it is this really slick thing. It's got a dashboard that monitors your system fans, your CPU and GPU loads and temperatures, including, uh, yeah, fans, I already said that. The real hook, though, to the Tuxedo Control Center is the ridiculously easy way that you can create custom thermal profiles. It comes with a few default profiles, which basically amount to the things you've seen on most laptops, right? Performance mode, balanced power saving, but you can really dig in and, for example, limit the number of CPU cores and the minimum and maximum CPU clock speeds at, at each preset. And you can tweak fan performance on kind of a basic level. And then you can separately tune those options for uh, battery power or when you're plugged into the wall. It has a dark mode, so no worries there. <laughs> and this is just uh, version 1.0. I think they might be on 1.01 now. But extra features are being planned like keyboard illumination tweaks and more uh, granular settings like controlling additional security and comfort features, touchpad control, and then what they say are various time-dependent changes to the desktop. So what I'm imagining there is, you know, maybe you can set a schedule for when you want these uh, default or custom profiles to go into effect. But I have to say, not only is it really functional, it looks really, really good. You know, there's there's utilities out there like Stacer and KSysGuard is great, but that that rolls uh, the basic functionality of those third-party utilities into this really easy to look at and use just dashboard for controlling your laptop. It's uh, it's it has started shipping with Tuxedo laptops, but of course, in true open source fashion, the company is making the code freely available, and I will have a link to the Tuxedo Control Center on the show notes at Linux, the number four, everyone.com. I've used it on uh, Pop! OS 20.04, the beta, and Ubuntu 18.04. There are packages built right now for OpenSUSE, and other distros are getting support soon. I don't have any more details on that, but I will keep you guys posted. Really, really check this out if you're, if you're on an Ubuntu base or uh, OpenSUSE, because it's really, really slick. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I am positive 
that we are all drowning in negative news these days. And so I wanted to fight that a little bit. I wanted to inject some good news and not just any good news. I asked you guys to share some positive outcomes of the situation that we're all in. You know, whatever it is, um, maybe a change in your lifestyle or some refreshing things that have come from the community because of all of this. And the first one is from prior guest Shickle, a.k.a. Shicken Nuggets of Wisdom. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is what he has to say. One of the main things I've seen is that many people seem to be much more engaging and polite, which I believe stems from the shock factor of everything that's happened. People are realizing more and more that we need each other, and that even the most isolated among us were still humans who need other people. My suspicions were confirmed when I was out shopping the other day. I had gone around a row of shelves to fall into place in this six-foot spaced queue, only to realize a lady who was waiting was not standing in the right place. When she realized it, she was going to move into the spot behind me, but I just waved her forward. That's totally normal for me, but it seemed to have struck a chord with her, and she started talking with me about how she noticed that people have been much more polite lately, and this seemed to make her genuinely happy. The second thing I've seen is rather neat, and something tangible as well. Tucson is known for its public art and murals on buildings, cars, sidewalks, and everything between. Recently, a local artist by the name of Jessica Gonzalez created a mural that says, together, using stylized letters from various other buildings and organizations in our community. It's things that we all connect with and see and identify with. And he sent me a link to the actual photo of the mural on Instagram, and so I'll throw a link in the show notes so that you guys can check this out as well. And there's more good news to come. I'll be sprinkling one or two other stories into this episode as well as future episodes because I feel like we could really all use a dose of that positivity right now and, and be reminded of how awesome the people around us can be. All right, super quick bit of housekeeping before we get into a little bit of a deepened showdown because, well, I'll save that for later, but... I wanted to let you guys know that the next Linux for Everyone patron-only live chat will be this Sunday, April 26th at uh, noon Eastern time. So keep an eye on your patron inboxes for the details and how you can join. And if you are listening and you're a Destination Linux patron, you're also welcome to join. If you're a patron of anyone from the Destination Linux family, then you are more than welcome to join in and participate. You can do that on video with me, and then we'll have a, a live stream as well that you can check out at youtube.com slash Linux for everyone. And we're going to try out Jitsi this time instead of Zoom and see how that goes. So, since we last talked to each other on this show, the Deepin 20 beta was released, as well as the Ubuntu DDE 20.04 beta. So much Deepin. But I wanted to talk about my experience with both of these and maybe guide you towards what might be the best choice. If you're into the Deepin desktop, but you don't want to uh, go through the hassle of you know installing it 
separately or on top of your existing desktop environment. And you want a, a distro that just has that, that gorgeous deepen desktop experience out of the box. Let's start with Ubuntu DDE 2004, because although I've had less experience and hands-on with this one, I'm really more excited about its potential than Deepin 20. So the first thing you need to know about Ubuntu DDE, it's it's effectively brand new. It combines the Ubuntu 2004 base with the Deepin desktop. And it's a, a remix, right? It's not an official flavor of Ubuntu. It's a remix similar to Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix. So not officially endorsed by Canonical, like, you know, your Kubuntus or Ubuntu Budgies or Ubuntu Studios, but that's what the developers are hoping for. Now, what's really interesting about this is it, it goes beyond just, hey, okay, here's Ubuntu 2004, let's slap the deep and desktop environment on top of it. There are some critical changes that they make. For example, it is not shipped with Deepin's App Store. And I know that Deepin ruffled a lot of feathers when they had that whole analytics shakeup and got accused of being spyware uh, because their app store is, it's a web platform that um, incorporates a Chinese analytics company that is similar to Google Analytics. But that turns a lot of people off. So they said, okay, we're going to put the Ubuntu Software Center there instead. And I actually got a cool quote from the developer who says, the nature of Ubuntu DDE packages built using the open source codes of the deep and desktop environment assures that no data is being collected by either Ubuntu DDE or by the Deepin technology company. And the second key distinction is that it also does not rely on Deepin's repositories. So they're using Canonical's repositories. And because of that, what they're doing is they are placing themselves responsible for maintaining all of those deep and desktop packages on the uh, canonical repositories. And on a on a personal note, Ubuntu DDE 2004 beta, <laughs> it's a long name, it also incorporates a slightly older version of the deep and desktop environment. So it's got that cool slide out control center that kind of slides out from the right side of your screen and uh, it is less of a window, traditional window format, which I really, really love. What I would caution you about, though, is definitely try it out. If you like Ubuntu, if you like the appearance and functionality of Deepin, definitely dive in and give it a shot. But it's not really something that I would use as a, you know, production-ready operating system just yet. It's not going to be my daily driver because it's got some bugs here and there. It's got a couple... Uh, installation issues that might be deal breakers, but you can spin it up in a VM and get kind of a, a good feel for what they're trying to accomplish. Deepin 20. I have a little bit more hands-on time with this, and I actually have a, uh, well, let's not call it a review, but it's a pretty in-depth look at some of the really high notes of Deepin 20 beta and some of the things that really disappointed me. And um, my article at Forbes was actually subtitled Dreams and Disappointments because it just, I cannot express to you guys how freaking gorgeous this new version of the Deepin Desktop looks. It's, you know, it's flashy, it's stylish, it it just checks all those boxes for, you know, it sets, it sets such a high benchmark for how great a Linux operating system can look. But on that front, seeing is believing. So I'll drop a link to the video and you guys can check it out on your own. You know, man, 
It's just, it's a, it's a difficult beta to use because for starters, they're based on Debian 10 stable now and Debian 10 stable, man, when they say stable, they mean really old, (laughs) but stable. So you are unfortunately stuck with, um, an older kernel, kernel 5.3. You don't have out of the box, uh, NVIDIA driver support and the software center, uh, well, Deepin's App Center, as they call it, or it's App Store, Deepin's App Center. It just isn't catered to an English. Uh, I don't know how to say this without without making it sound bad, but it's got you know it's got stuff like your WeChat, and it has a lot of Chinese centric software, and that's okay. But when I did a search for some of those you know critical apps that I use every day, like uh, it was Audacity. OBS Studio, and even Steam were totally MIA in their App Center. And right now, they're still building out their, uh, oh, I don't know what they call it, auto-switching mirrors, so that you get, uh, you know, when you're downloading stuff from their App Center, you get it downloaded from a mirror that is a little bit closer to your location. But right now, it seems like if you're not near or in China, it's it's almost unusable. So I would say if you're interested in the Deep and Twenty Beta, give it a little more time. Let them let them bake those extra mirrors and get things a little more polished because it it has so much potential. But I really I really think that. Ubuntu DDE, you know, combining that Ubuntu LTS base with the uh, the newer software that Ubuntu has, because you know, even though it's an LTS, you're still getting a pretty a pretty modern kernel, and you're getting uh, NVIDIA hybrid graphics support if that's your thing, and just newer versions of software as well as uh, Snap support. So it's I think it's a it's going to be a big thing. I think it's going to be a big deal. I think that once people who like Ubuntu check this out and who maybe haven't experienced the deep in desktop yet and they have that assurance that, you know, there's no telemetry here. This is using the Ubuntu software center which which I know and I understand. I I think it's got a lot of promise, guys. So check it out. Um yeah, Ubuntu DDE is going to be my recommendation there of the two. But I do have videos for both of these if you want uh, kind of a quick overview and some uh, some deeper opinions on both of those on the YouTube channel. And you know what? I need to stop doing that. I need to stop saying on the YouTube channel because there is also uh, the same content on library on lbry.tv. If you don't want to do the whole Google thing and if you like what library is about, you can also go to lbry.tv slash at symbol Linux for everyone. I'll throw a link in the show notes. It's it's all there for you. This episode of Linux for Everyone, by the way, is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and way more than I can mention in this ad spot. <laughs> DigitalOcean, they also have thousands of tutorials, which thankfully they keep up to date so that you don't, you know, search for a solution to something and then realize, oh, this isn't applicable to my issue at all. You can get all of that plus access to their awesome customer support for as low as $5 per month. So 
Whether it's a huge project or just a simple blog, like maybe you want to get started with Ghost. Uh, they have a one-click droplet installation, and you can have an Ubuntu droplet with a Ghost blogging platform right out of the box. You can get started on DigitalOcean for two months free with a $100 credit on top of that by going to do.co slash dln. Once again, $100 credit, two months free, do.co slash dln. And I'd like to thank DigitalOcean very much for sponsoring this episode and every episode on the entire Destination Linux network. Now, how about some more good news? The uh, the welcome home tag that you hear at the beginning of every episode, well, on this episode, it came from the daughter of this gentleman right here. His name is Joe the Sane, and this is what he says. Something good that's been happening in my online life, the Linux for Everyone and Destination Linux Network communities. A couple of days ago, he says, my daughter came out of nowhere with a request to learn a little bit about what I do at work as a tech specialist. So I grabbed an old laptop and walked her through setting up Windows with the ultimate goal of having a dual boot system that she could explore. Well, yesterday, we went through an Arch Linux install while I posted live updates on the Linux for Everyone Telegram and while attending the DLN patrons Zoom meeting. The folks on Telegram were amazingly supportive and kind, and the DLN guys were asking her questions and making her feel like just part of the group. The sheer warmth of her welcome into this community is something that is, as I write this, giving me a little dust in the eye. Dr. Shannon, as she goes by, is a very social kid who likes to always be doing something, so this pandemic lockdown has hit her extremely hard with cancellation of every event she was looking forward to all the way through summer, including a dad and daughter camping trip. The welcome all of you gave her made my day and made her happier than I've ever seen since the start of the pandemic. I am enormously proud of her and what she accomplished yesterday. She is an amazing kid. I'm also enormously proud of this community for making her entry into it such a powerfully positive experience. Warmly, Joe the Sane. So earlier this week, I got the opportunity to try out the Pop! OS 2004 beta, which is the first time System76 has done a beta, so I had to jump on that. And I also got a beautiful little package from System76. It is a review loaner of the brand new Lemur Pro laptop, and I want to talk about a couple aspects of both of these things. And I, I unfortunately, I'm not going to have a lot of negative to say uh, because, you know, System76 doesn't really do a lot of terrible stuff. But let me start with the Lemur Pro. There's been a lot of buzz about this laptop. It is very, very light, I think. Yeah, so this thing is 2.2 pounds. And I got to tell you, after using an Oryx Pro day in and day out for almost a year now, this thing feels like a feather in your hand. 
It's a 14-inch laptop. It is super slim. It's got a really fun-looking bezel. I don't know how to describe that uh, with <laughs> without just saying fun. It's it's definitely one of the thinnest bezels the company has has put out. The whole everything about it, the chassis, it's nice and sturdy. There's not a lot of flex in the keyboard. So this thing is powered by a 10th gen Intel i7 quad core processor. And uh, my review unit has a 500 gigabyte NVMe drive and 40 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM. But you can actually kit this thing out and have up to four terabytes of storage of NVMe storage, which is insane. And like I said, it's just, it's super light. It's got just the right amount of ports. It might be a little lean if you're a power user and, you know, you want to dock it with a bunch of peripherals and things like that. But it's got your HDMI out. Uh, it has a pair of USB 3.0 ports. It also has a single USB-C port as well as a micro SD card slot and, of course, a headphone jack, webcam, you know, the, the stuff you'd expect. But what's really cool about it is that USB-C port can plug into a external monitor and it can also be charged by USB-C. So that's really, really nice. I was testing mine out uh, on the balcony in kind of a unique environment. I, I don't know a lot of people that have uh, the, the the external monitor that I have is a really slim, uh, I think it's a 15-inch 1080p IPS monitor that is powered completely by USB-C. So you can just pop it on a little stand, plug it in, and you've got an additional 15-inch, uh, you know, super portable uh, monitor. And I, I kind of set up like the table out on the balcony. I don't know, we'll call it Office B. I don't know what you want to call it. But kind of the outdoor spring office because, you know, you got to get out of your house, right? And I was absolutely floored by the battery estimates. I was out there for probably five hours and I had uh, the Lemur Pro on about 50% brightness. I had the external monitor, which is also 1080p, on full brightness. And I was seeing about probably seven to eight hours of solid usage in the battery life. But it gets really interesting when you're just using the laptop on its own, nothing really connected. There was an evening when I was um, I was sitting on the couch and I was binge watching Better Call Saul on Netflix. And I had the screen up all the way, full brightness. And I watched about five episodes. So maybe just over four hours or so, ballpark it. I was I was sitting there watching Netflix for about four hours, and the battery level probably only dropped like 10%. And so when they're claiming that you can get like 11 to 12 hours, you know, watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, that's one of their little marketing bullet points. What's It's kind of industry standard to overestimate those battery claims, and I think that's a safe claim. Uh, I'm going to really put it to the test, but I am so impressed by the battery on this thing, and it's super light. I wish I wish you could see it. I wish this was a video. Uh, I will have a video on it uh, over on YouTube and Library. Initial impression, this thing is slick. And it's a little bit pricey, but it does come with core boot. It boots super, super quickly. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice display. It's a great keyboard. It's fast. It's snappy. It's... Uh, 
it's a lean little powerful laptop. So stay tuned for more coverage on that. And just so you don't think that I'm, you know, I'm only going to cover System76 hardware, just today I got in a comparable Infinity Book S from Tuxedo Computers. And I'm going to be putting these head to head and see how they stack up against each other. And my last little story for episode 33 is oh my God, I did not realize how much I needed a tiling window manager. <laughs> so many of you have said, dude, try i3, try something, get a, get a tiling window manager in your life, especially with that crazy ultra wide monitor that you have. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to invest the time into learning all those keyboard shortcuts and, you know, installing a, a window manager on top of everything. I'm just, I was, I was lazy. Okay, let's just face it. I was lazy. I didn't want to learn. I'll admit that to you guys. But with Pop! OS 2004, and mind you, this is the beta, so it's got some rough edges still. I installed that on the Oryx Pro, and I plugged in my 49-inch uh, ultrawide to it, super ultrawide. It's a 32 by 9 aspect ratio. I had both monitors running at the same time. I toggled auto-tiling, which is the new feature in 2004, part of the new pop shell. And I, I could not believe what I was seeing. I had never actually seen that in action, in person. And, you know, fire up Firefox. Okay, boom, full screen. Fire up the terminal, you know, half the screen for each app. Fired up Spotify. Fired up the pop shop. Fired up Discord, Telegram. And everything just kept smartly reorganizing to maximize that screen real estate. And it was kind of magical. Like I said, there were some rough spots, though, where it does this for you automatically. It's an auto-tiling window manager that's built in and optional. But the neat thing about the state of it right now is that if you're not really happy, the keyboard shortcuts, I don't know if I'd call them intuitive yet. I think I need more time with them. But there's not a whole mess of keyboard shortcuts. It's it's pretty simple to navigate across each app that you have, resize them if you want to flip things, you know, horizontal horizontally or vertically align them. You can do that. You can resize them. I think this has uh, this has potential written all over it, and you know, it's in its infancy. But seeing basically what amounts to a GNOME extension being able to auto-tile all the windows that I open and resize them when you close them, by the way. You know, when you close them, it will also smartly resize every window and do it fairly quickly. Uh, but seeing that happen across both monitors at the same time is kind of delightful. So if you haven't had a chance to check out the Pop! OS 2004 beta yet and you're really curious about this, give it a shot. So before I get out of here, I just I wanted to reiterate um, how thankful I am to all the patrons, everyone who listens to the show, everyone who shares, everyone who interacts with both me and the larger community of Linux for Everyone and the extended family of the Destination Linux Network. We've got some really cool stuff happening on that side of things, and I would love for you guys to check some of that out. FrontpageLinux.com is live. And it's a really great site for Linux and open source news, for guides, for uh, video walkthroughs, for opinion pieces. And I will be contributing to that in the near future. 
So I'll keep you updated on that front as well. We've got Hardware Addicts, which is, let's call Hardware Addicts a operating system agnostic podcast. So you don't have to love Linux or even be interested in Linux to really enjoy all the hardware geekery and discussion that happens on that show. Of course, the rest of the entire Destination Linux Network lineup is available at destinationlinux.network. I'll see you guys soon around the interwebs on Telegram, on Discord, on Mastodon, on Twitter, on YouTube, and this Sunday at noon Eastern time for our patron-only live chat. Until we meet again, please take care and take care of each other and stay home.